Good morning. Very thankful to see everybody here. We're thankful that we have always a Lord's Day that we can come together and worship God and our Father in Heaven. Uh, if you'd open your Bibles to the third chapter of Genesis, we're going to look at the story of Adam and Eve, uh, you know, one of the aspects of the story of Adam and Eve, and you know, it's such a, uh, a fascinating story how man came to be. You know, Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26 uh, it tells us there, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let him have dominion over the a fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And then we see in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7 a little more detail given into the creation of mankind. It says, And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living soul. And then later we understand that God took a rib out of the man, out of Adam. And from that he created a woman, Eve, and brought, him, brought her to, her, to Adam. And uh, he said, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And so uh, they became one, for she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother... And shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, and the man and his wife were not ashamed. And so we see that Adam and Eve, they were created. They were uh, united in the first marriage. They were given certain commands. And, and, and really the, the command they were given was to, to keep and attend the garden. But also in verse 17, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest of it thereof, uh, thou shalt die. And so they were given one command that they were, uh, two commands really, to, to keep the garden and to not eat of that one particular tree. Now we know what happened. The, the serpent, uh, being more subtle than all the others, other animals, other creatures. Of course we know this was uh, the devil in, uh, in the form of a serpent. And uh, he tempted the woman and she ate. And uh, because of that, of course, sin entered the world. And so, you know, the story of Adam and Eve is a fascinating one. Scripture tells us, we understand the things that were written aforetime were written for our learning. Uh, that we, through patience and the comfort of Scriptures, might have hope. And so the things that, that took place in these old times, they are useful to us. Uh, we can see that there is comfort and there is hope because uh, we'll see in this account that there is comfort and hope after their sin uh, has taken place. First uh, Corinthians chapter 10 verse 11 says, Now these things happen to them for examples. They are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. There are things, especially in this story, that, are, that admonish us to not do and make the same mistakes that Adam and Eve uh, ultimately made. And so the account of Adam and Eve is significant to us because, first of all, they are our first parents. We all, uh, we're all brothers and sisters. We all descend from these two people. Uh, they are the reason that we are here today. Their story provides the earliest account of man's origin. Now, it is also through Adam and Eve that sin first entered into the world and death because of sin. In Romans chapter 5, verse 12, 
tells us, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for, all, uh, for that all have sinned. However, it is also the start of the plan of redemption put into, uh, into action. You know, because of their sin, Adam and Eve, they lost communion with God. Notice uh, verses 8 through 11. It says, uh, And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord uh, God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord, called, the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And, and so we see, because of their sin, they lost communion with God. They were no longer in the presence of God. When God came to walk in the garden as he had always done with them, they hid themselves. They ultimately lost the home that God provided for them in the garden. We look in verses 23 and 24 where they were cast out of the garden. Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubim and with a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. And so man lost communion with God. Man lost the home provided by God in the garden, uh, which can only be regained through Christ. The only way to, to be restored to that communion with God is through Christ. The only way to, to have that home that is prepared for us uh, with God is through Christ. In John 14, verses 1 through 3, Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. He said he's going back to the Father and he's going to prepare a place. He's going to prepare a place in his Father's house that we can go and be with him forever. And so we can be restored to that communion with God. We can dwell for eternity in that place that God has prepared for us. In Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 9, it says that Christ, after suffering, was made perfect by his suffering. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation. And to all them that obey him, the only way to regain that communion, to regain that home with God, is through Jesus Christ. And so as we read the biblical account of Adam and Eve and their sin, we're going to look at and focus on the three questions that God asked Adam and Eve after their sin and examine each question to see what applications we can make from them today. So the first question he asked in verse 9 is, Where art thou? Again, he came walking in the garden. And the Lord called unto Adam and said, Where are you? Where art thou? You know, it's not that God did not know where Adam and Eve were. He knew exactly where they were. But rather, God asked this question of Adam so that he might take note of his own situation. 
So that Adam would understand it and Adam would be forced to, to be confronted with what he has done. You know, there is nothing that they could have told God that he did not already know. You know, the question to ask ourselves is why did God ask Adam, where art thou? You know, we see the reason behind the question when we notice Adam's answer. Verse 10, I heard thy voice in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And so in essence, Adam said, I'm over here hiding. It's not where I ought to be. And so the basis of God's question to Adam was so that he would be forced to realize that he was out of step or out of unity with God. And so we need to consider the question uh, with regard to us today. Where are you? Where am I in our relationship with God? You know, are, are we in a right relationship with God? Many people, they're wandering about in the darkness, uh, the darkness of the world. They're, they're trying to find a way out of that darkness. Uh, many are wandering, not knowing where they are going. Thus, the question to us today is, where are you? Am I in a right relationship with God? Or am I right with God as I ought to be? You know, how do I stand in terms of my obedience to God? How do I stand religiously? Am I standing for God or am I ashamed of the gospel? Do I even have any idea where we ought to be? You know, the Bible tells us where we ought to be. A lot of people don't know where they ought to be. Adam was sure of, of where he ought to be. And he knew that he was not there. He knew he was hiding. He knew he was avoiding the presence of God. You know, we are, are going to stand before God one day and we're going to have to give an account of ourselves. So it is important that we find out where we are today so that we might be confident to find ourselves in the right place when Christ returns. You know, uh, the Apostle John uh, says that our, uh, our assurance comes from reading the things that are written in the Word of God. In 1 John 5, verse 13, he said, These things I have written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that you have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. You know, we can examine our lives in the light of the Scripture, and we can know where we stand. Adam knew where he stood with God. He knew that things were not what they had been. Uh, he knew that he was naked. He knew that he could not be in the presence of God, and so he hid from him. And so where are we in our relationship with God? We can know where we stand when we examine our life again in the light of the Scripture. It is, though it is very important that we walk with God. Uh, it is really the whole duty of mankind. In Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 13 and 14, uh, Solomon's great conclusion uh, of the whole matter he says, fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be bad. Everything that man was created for, everything that man is about, is to fear God and keep his commandments. Uh, it is the whole duty of man, the King James says, but the, the American Standard says, for this is man's all. And so it's important that we won't. The importance of being in the right place can be found in passages like 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17. 
Uh, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. We are a new creature only in Christ. And Romans chapter 8 verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Who walk not after the flesh but in the spirits. Or after the spirit. And so again uh, we need to be found in Christ. In, in a right relationship with Christ in a, as a new creation. A new creature where there is no condemnation. Uh, but how do we know where we stand? Again, we can reflect upon the scriptures. We can examine ourselves. 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know you not your own selves how that Jesus Christ is in you except ye be rep retrobate, or reprobates. <laughs> retrobates, whatever that is. Reprobates. <laughs> Uh, and so we see the importance of being in the right place. We've got to be in Christ. And we've got to examine our lives to see whether or not we are. Because we can know when we examine our lives in the light of the Scripture. And so the question is, have you come to Christ yielding submission to His will and, and become obedient to His commandments? If not, your answer to the question that God asked Adam would be the same as His. I'm not where I ought to be. I'm trying to hide from you. When the Lord returns, where will you be found? Will you be found working in His service? Or will you be found trying in vain to hide from Him? So where art thou? Is the question we need to ask ourselves. In verse 11, He said, There, who told thee that thou wast naked? Here's another thought-provoking question. We might consider this to be maybe a ridiculous question, but under the circumstances, Adam and Eve had no prior knowledge of good and evil. And they had been naked all the time they had been in the Garden of Eden. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 25 again says they were both naked. And the man and his wife were not ashamed. We don't know how long they lived in this state of innocence in the garden they were naked and they didn't see anything wrong with it there was nothing wrong with it there was nothing uh, wrong with that innocent state but this was changed by their actions their realization of their nakedness was due to the fact that they were no longer innocents those who have developed a knowledge of good and evil will be held accountable before God. And so let us turn our question, our attention back to that question, the first part, who told thee? Who told you that? And so let's examine a few things that were told uh, in the religious world that religious people say, perhaps, that they, they say these things. The question is, who told you that? Was it man or was it God? You know, we hear that a man can be saved by faith only. Well, who told you that? Was it man or was it God? You know, God, through the inspired penman James, said this. You see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. He's talking about Abraham. Abraham willing to sacrifice his son. Uh, did everything that God told him to do up to the very point of putting his own son to death. 
And God recognized his obedience and blessed him for it. Stayed his hand. And so by this, his faith was justified by his actions. You know, we hear that, that we don't have to be baptized for the remission of sins. And yet, who told you that? Was it the Lord or was it man? Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned, Mark 16 and verse 16. You know, we hear that one cannot fall from grace. But who told you that? Was it man or was it God? God's word said, Christ is become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, ye are fallen from grace, Galatians 5 and verse 4. You know, we hear a lot about this uh, ecumenicalism. Where uh, they say, well, we're all different religions. We're all going to the same place. You know, we hear uh, that all religions are different paths to God. But who told you that? Was it man or was it God? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh unto the Father but by me. John 14 and verse 6. Uh, Jesus says that my way is the only way. There is no other way that leads to the Father except through me. And so he said, who told thee that thou wast naked? The point of this question was so that Adam would realize the true source of authority. And that was God. I believe that the most quoted person in the world today is somebody. Somebody said this, somebody said something else, somebody told me this, somebody told me that. I'd really like to meet this somebody. He must be very wise. And so God asked, who told thee? And he basically said, it was not me. I didn't tell you that you were naked. I didn't tell you that. So who told you? We need to give everything we hear the same simple test that the Berean Jews gave Paul. In Acts 17 and verse 11. And these were more noble or fair-minded than those in Thessalonica. In that they received the word with all readiness of mind. And searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. And so, who told thee that thou wast naked? Who told you? Where is the source of authority? It is gone in his word. And the next question he asked there in the same verse basically comes to the point of, have you sinned? He says, hast thou eaten of the tree? Where have I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And so, because that's what fits on my screen better, I put the question basically, have you sinned? God knew that Adam and Eve had eaten of the fruits. But God wanted Adam to acknowledge his own sin. You know, there's the problem sometimes is getting people to acknowledge their sins uh, can be very difficult to do. You know, I have a good friend. His daughter uh, was well into her late teenage years before she obeyed the gospel. And it was one of those things that he was concerned about. But the thing was, his daughter was such a good kid. She was a good girl. She never got in any kind of trouble at school or at home. She just did everything she was told to do. And so it took her a long time to recognize that she was also guilty of sin. And sometimes uh, we're like that. We just have a hard time recognizing. You think about David. 
You know, David certainly knew what he did with Bathsheba. He knew what he did to her wife, to her husband Uriah. And yet it had to be brought home to him in order to make him take the responsibility. The prophet Nathan had to come to him and say, Thou art the man for him to recognize his sin and to acknowledge it. You know, usually we can see the sins of others before we see our own. But we need to heed the warning of Christ in Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. Now where it says there, Judge not that ye be not judged. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the mote out of thine eye? And behold, a beam is in thine own eye. Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. And so here, uh, it's real easy to notice the sins of others. You know, we may be blinded by our own sins or to our own sins, and yet we can see the sins of others easily. And so we need to examine ourselves. And realize that we all have sinned. Romans 3 verse 23. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. 1 John chapter 1 verses 8 through 10 says. If we say that we have no sin. We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned. We make him a liar. And his word is not in us. You know, uh, we need to examine ourselves constantly. Again, as we notice in 2 Corinthians 13 verse 5. To see whether or not we are in the faith. To test ourselves. To see whether or not we are walking right. And so we need to learn to recognize our sin and be willing to acknowledge it. Take ownership of it. You know, it's difficult to get people to take responsibility for their own sin as we saw with Adam and Eve. Notice uh, Genesis chapter 3 verses 8 through 12. Again, well let's go down to verse 12. And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I did eat. And the Lord God said to the woman, What is it that you had done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me and I did eat. And so uh, they would not take responsibility. You know, Adam said, the woman, it was her fault that you gave me. So really, it's your fault, he's saying. If you hadn't given me this woman, she would not have tempted me and I would not have sinned. He won't take responsibility. He he said, you gave her to me. And, And the woman, she said, well, oh, it was that serpent. The serpent beguiled me. And of course, the serpent, he didn't make any excuse at all. He knew exactly what he was doing. Uh, And so, uh, notice though, who is responsible for my sin? Who is responsible for for Jack's sins? Well, I am. Ezekiel 18, verse 20. The soul that sinneth it shall die. The son shall not bear the iniquity of the father, neither shall the father bear the iniquity of the son. 
The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon him, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon him. The soul that sinned, the individual soul, is responsible for his own sins. The father is not responsible for the sins of the child. The child is not responsible for the sins of the father. And so they, Adam and Eve needed to recognize as we need to recognize that our own sin is our own responsibility. The importance of observing this question. Have you sinned? Is that we must acknowledge our sin and take responsibility for it and truly repent of it. And come to God with a contrite heart and a godly sorrow. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 10, Paul speaks about uh, the godly sorrow that leads to genuine repentance. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of. But the sorrow of the world worketh death. We've got to have that godly sorrow. We must come before God humbly with a broken and contrite spirit. David, after his terrible sin with with Bathsheba, when he came back and and recognized his own sin, and he makes this great statement in verses 16 and 17 of Psalms 51, For thou desirest not sacrifice, else I would give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, Thou will not despise. You know, under the law of Moses, when one sinned, he brought a, an animal sacrifice to be offered as a burnt offering. He says God didn't delight in that. It's not, that's not what God delights in. It's not the act of offering. It's the motive behind it. The broken spirit. The contrite heart. That's what God desires We need to recognize when we sin. And we need to take responsibility for those sins. And we need to allow that recognition to break our heart and our spirit so that we will submit to God. Acts 17 verses 30 and 31 uh, talks about the need to repent, the times of this ignorance God winked at. Whatever that means, God overlooked something. But now... Commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness. By that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, and that he raised him from the dead. And so when we sin, we must repent. You know, the importance of this question is seen today. Have I sinned? If so, then what am I going to do about it? So these thought-provoking questions of God are of utmost importance to us today. Where are you in your relationship with God? We need to examine ourselves to, to see where we stand in light of God's Word. We need to, to think about what is the source of our information. You know, there are those that say, well, all you got to do is believe to be saved. You don't have to be baptized. But we've already talked about where did that come from? It does not come from God's Word. We need to recognize our sin. 
and decide what we're going to do about it. We can continue to live in sin. And we can go through this life like most people in this world and not be troubled by sin, but on the day of judgments, it's going to uh, be brought home to us. Or we can do something about it right now. It's my prayer this morning that we can all one day answer these questions by saying, where are you? I am in the Lord. Got the second one I was going to say there. <laughs> um, let's say that over. Let's start that over. It's my prayer this morning that we can all day, one day, answer these questions with I am in the Lord. He is my source of authority, and I have redemption from my sins through His blood. Truly, it is a blessing to be able to say that if I died today, I would be the Lord, with the Lord, excuse me. Can you say that? If not, then why not come to Christ today, obeying His Word, repenting of your sins and being baptized to have those sins washed away? Today, if you're here and you're subject to the invitation, please let us know as together we stand and as we sing.